You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into a Wednesday edition of the podcast. Hope you all are doing fantastic out there wherever you might be. A lot to get to ahead on today's edition of Locked on Utes, Brian. We've got a very interesting question to hit on. Give our fans a little bit of a tease of what we're going to talk about. Yeah, and shout out to the old board members there at UteZone.com for posing this question. If you had $100 to place on the number of wins for the running Utes, a.k.a. the men's basketball team, would you bet it on being nine or more? Would you bet on it being even at eight? Or would you bet on it being seven or less? Ooh, compared okay. to last year? That's a tough question. We're going to dig into that. We're also going to talk, obviously, we're on the eve of the NFL draft. we got to talk a little bit about some of the greatest uh, drafted players, some of the greatest draft picks in Utah football history. Our friends at SportsPack12.com did a great list. They actually got the whole list of all the Utah picks. We'll also talk about some of the greats, the GOATs, if you will, in Utah football history when it comes to the NFL draft. So plenty to get to ahead on today's show. It's brought to you today by our title sponsor. That is the Locked On today podcast. I want to encourage you guys to check it out. It gets you all the sports news you need to know in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski is your host and updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, without further ado, let's dive on in here on a hump day. This is the Locked On Utes podcast for April 28th, 2021. Once again, welcome into the Locked On Utes podcast. My name is Jay Catch. That man across from me digitally via Zoom is my good friend, Brian Brown. Of course, we are your co-host tandem covering all things Utah athletics here every day for you guys. Brian, what is up, my friend? How are you? Couldn't be better than hanging out with you, Jake. It's always good to get you uh, back here on the show and uh Generate some conversation because sometimes I feel like I'm just talking to a wall when I record these by myself. Well, that's sadly kind of what you are doing, (laughs) let's be honest. We know that there are hundreds, if not thousands of you who listen to this podcast weekly, if not daily, but... Trust us, when we record these podcasts solo, we really do feel like we're talking to a wall or talking into the void out there. So thank you for your support. Thank you for your questions. Thank you for interacting with the show. We truly appreciate it. One thing you guys can do to help us build this audience, it's a critical part of this, is going to Apple Podcasts, leaving us a five-star rating, as well as a comment or two of what you like about the show in the comments section. It helps us build this audience, helps Utah fans find us, and us in turn find Utah fans and your guys' support is critical to that. And if you happen to be listening on another podcast app or service that allows you to leave comments or ratings, please make sure to leave those ratings and reviews. We cannot thank you enough in advance for doing that. Cannot. It's uh I wish that people could just measure 
the joy and ecstasy that you all feel when you listen to the podcast is, is our unit of measurement for how well we're doing. But unfortunately, everything is is rated with stars these days, Jake. It's not just recruits. Algorithms, baby. Yeah. No. That's- Five stars only in whatever you're doing in your life. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks again for joining us. Let's start off with the running Utes and the question that we posed in the open here. Very interesting question coming from UteZone.com. Brian, uh, reiterate it for us, and then we'll start breaking in breaking into it and kind of given our opinions on both sides yeah the question is, is that if you had a hundred dollars to bet right now would you bet on the running youths having a better conference record next year compared to 2020 slash 21 uh the uh, the over being nine nine wins or more the even being eight wins or the under being seven wins or less and i think it's a very interesting question most most importantly because this is the best season that the Pac-12 has had in terms of tournament performance in ever? <laughs> it's been a while, yeah. <laughs> well, it's okay. so here's the thing, Brian. So essentially the over-under is set at 500, essentially, because it says the, the even is, is at 8-8. Eight eight. Win eight conference games, lose eight. So you'd be seeing 500 in conference. Well, they're going up to 20 games, aren't they, next year? Am I wrong? Yeah, because mm-hmm, one of those one of those games will be counting as a non conference yeah, game, but okay. you'll be playing a conference opponent. Which honestly, it, it, that's a smart move. Rare to give the Pac twelve credit for something like this, but it is a smart move by the conference, especially where you have twelve members and you need to get those teams as much okay, attention so, as possible. So that was my mistake. It's not five hundred, but eight wins. I think it's a very very good number for the over under here. So. Today, so we're talking April 28th. We got months until the season begins. We haven't even seen this uh, conference uh, schedule layout. We haven't seen the transfer portal impact. We haven't even seen the full roster for Utah under Craig Smith uh, come into view. But, man, Brian, if, I, if I'm being honest right now, I'm probably taking the, I'm taking the eight wins. That's probably where I'm sitting. Where do you sit? I'm right there with you, Jake. I think it's either eight or it's going to be a little bit under just simply because you've lost – the, the four biggest players on, on last year's team. And, and while you have replaced a lot of them with talented, good, solid role players, we talked about this a few weeks ago. We still don't know who's going to be the guy for this squad. And until you have somebody who emerges, who can re- really carry the team the way that Timmy Allen did. And I think for all the inefficiencies that Timmy has, we likely didn't do a good enough job. And, and I'll, I'll take you know, I'll take responsibility for that on my own. I didn't do a good enough job of recognizing how good he really was. The fact that he was top 10 in, in points, rebounds, and assists, the only player in the Pac-12 to be Pac-10 in all those categories, the the load that he was carrying every single night with being the, the backup ball handler and at, at points being the primary ball handler despite being a wing, and, and just the load that he had so many games where he kind of had to carry the scoring load because nobody else there could really create buckets or, or create scoring opportunities for themselves. That's a lot to replace. Now, this team is currently constructed, and, and we'll wait to see because there are definitely more names coming. Uh, Steve Bartle released a VIP article at uzone.com uh, chronicling why uh, Utah would be a good landing place for uh, Stefan Morris, who re who had declared for the draft from BC and then has since withdrawn in essence and gone into the transfer portal. Mm -hmm. So he's an available candidate. Uh, The kind of player that really Utah needs to get is somebody who's, you know, at that level of a bigger wing. We still are, there are names out there that 
uh, you know, still haven't declared from the transfer portal that Utah may be in the game for. So we'll need to see really what the the entire makeup of this team is going to be. But right now it's a defensive team. And I think defense does travel. But at the end of the day, this game is still about buckets, especially in the Pac-12 where UCLA is going to be an improved program. Uh, I think USC may struggle a little bit to replace Evan Mobley, but they bring almost everybody else back. That's a tremendously long team there. Uh, Oregon is going to be Oregon. They're not going to skip a beat because that's just what they do these days. So I, I it's just it, it is especially too when you calculate the fact that this is Craig Smith's first year. It'll be a lot of the players' first year in the Pac-12. There's going to be some adjustments, so it's just I I think for the sake of setting expectations, eight or less is really where I want to be. Yeah, I'm with you on that. It's just so tough because there does not appear to be a ready-made quote-unquote alpha on this roster right now. And they very well may go and find somebody in the transfer portal, like you mentioned. Uh, it could be somebody that pops up, decides they're not happy where they're at. Uh, Utah brings them in, and they become that guy. Until you have that guy, though, it's tough to say, he's your guy. Or you see them on the court, and they become that guy. Man, I... <laughs> or somebody within the program develops over the offseason, right? Like, I think yeah. Pella Larson is a guy that I look at, and, and I know that... I make a lot of jokes about him being on the elevator to success and everything like that. <laughs> but the bottom line is that he shows potential to be able to take defenders one-on-one to the basket. And he's yes. explosive. He's a good athlete. He was a good shooter this year. I think he was at or near 50% from three, even though he didn't take that many attempts. He really tried to fit into the role that, that he was placed into the offense. My hope and my anticipation is that Craig Smith is going to recognize what kind of talent they have with Pella Larson and try and build the offense a little bit more around him and, and getting him to the basket and showcasing his skill set. So there's that potential too. But until it actually happens, we're just going off of happy projections, right? Like, like yeah. really, like, yay, uh, happy expectations, happy, happy uh, anticipated buckets, happy anticipated less turnovers, happy anticipated defensive uh, ratings. You know, it's, it's just yeah. it's the Bob Ross of, of college basketball right now where we're hoping things are going to be great, but we don't have a lot of proof of concept. Happy trees, happy trees. Happy baskets, happy nets. <laughs> No, Happy it, fans. It will be interesting. That's a very, very good question. We want your guys' feedback, by the way. If you guys have a, a pick on over, under, what you think uh, might be your pick on that, yes, the over is nine wins. The The push is at eight, where I'm I'm sitting at eight. I think eight's probably where it's at, but you make a very compelling argument for me, Brian, to think maybe I should be taking seven or under just due to the simple fact that we don't know what this roster is going to look like. I got faith that Craig Smith is going to get Utah rolling. He He's too good of a hire, in my opinion, not to get things rolling right away. It may take him a year to really get things off the ground, but I think once he does get Utah off the ground, they'll be flying high. Yeah, and that's the thing. Is you've got to give him time to build his culture and establish his, his team and, and get his recruits in there and everything like that. And the allure is that it's all going to be fixed through the transfer portal, right? But there's a reason that those guys are in the transfer portal in the first place. Either they couldn't cut it at the school that they were at, the coach that recruited them there initially is now gone, or they were malcontent, right? Like, And now I'm not saying that one man's trash is not another man's treasure because that's always the hope and the anticipation is that some, a change in scenery is going to make things a little bit better. But when you look at the teams ahead of them, like Colorado – loses uh, uh, McKinley Wright, you know, other than that, that re returns a really good team, I think, for the most part. UCLA, same thing. They're adding a five-star to the mix. 
Uh, Arizona, probably a little bit of drop-off there, I think, yeah. just naturally. Uh, Oregon State, I don't think there's going to be a ton of drop-off there. They lose one person, you know, and, and I think some of it depends on what happens with, uh, with Warith Alatiche. Does he go to the draft or not? Uh, Stanford's not going to – Stanford might be one of those teams where you could kind of skip ahead. I think De Silva's still coming back. Uh, the talented freshman, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, I believe declared for the NBA draft. Um, and then you've got to watch out and see what happens with Washington, right? Because I think as long as they're in the Pac-12, they're always there's talent there. But I just I, I'm very doubtful that Hopkins can put it together, you know, and really push him back up he, against it. He's coaching so you look for his at all, job next year. Yeah, yeah, he is, and, and just like um, uh, Wayne Tinkle was this year, in essence, and, and Larry Kraskoviak clearly was as well. Although, you know, you have to wonder if maybe there was a move coming, no matter what. Um. Yeah. Well, I, I I think what you're saying there, Brian, is a very good point. It's, it seems like the Pac-12 is on on the upward trajectory, and that that's the interesting part is how Utah fits into this. And we'll discuss this more. We're a little bit over here on our first part of the podcast, but it's a very interesting debate. And I got to tip my cap, Ute Zone, whoever put that question up. I don't know if it was a staff member or just a a, a, a subscriber there. If you guys aren't subscribing, by the way, to UteZone.com, part of the 24/7 network, get on it. It's absolutely it's worth incredible. It. Yeah, it's worth it just alone for the the Paramount Plus access. You know, yeah, well, exactly. You're a big Yellowstone guy, right, Jake? I do love Yellowstone. Actually, I okay. I don't get into a lot of uh, what dramas. I guess is the easy way to say it. Uh, and but that one, it dragged me in, and I I, I cannot get out. So yeah. But check Taylor it out. Sheridan is the king, man. Anything he yes. does, I'm invested in. He it. does a great job. There's no doubt about that. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we're going to talk a little bit about Utah and the NFL draft. Who are some of the greatest Utes in NFL draft history? Brian and I are going to pick our five greatest. So we'll go with five, Brian. We'll we'll discuss those here in just a moment. First, though, we do need to take a minute today and talk about built bars. And Brian and I, I can tell you this much, folks, we are. Should we call ourselves stands for Built Bar? We absolutely love these protein bars. Representative. I am sure. a representative yeah. of the Built Bar Nation. We would like to share a message of good news and you know what about Built Bars. <laughs> a message of good health and good taste with you. Look at you. Our, our brothers and sisters. Look at you. Well done, sir. Well done. But we love Built Bars, guys. We want to encourage you guys to check them out. They are soft and easy to chew. They taste like a candy bar. They are the perfect complement, the healthy snack, healthy option. When you want something to cra- satisfy that kind of that craving you got for your sweet tooth, give them a shot. Over 20 different flavors. Some of my favorites recently, peanut butter brownie. Orange is an all-time favorite of mine. I'm a big fan of raspberry. But I got to tell you, Brian, I had that mint brownie we talked about earlier this week absolutely incredible but my all-time favorite still to this day is the one the only cherry barcia can't beat it of the original 18 it's it's likely my favorite as well uh just that perfect balance of of cherry tartness and, and fruity deliciousness mm-hmm. uh like we said it, it, these these bars taste delicious but they also have plenty of good stuff in them as well to make sure that you're running strong and getting that protein in you uh, very important if, if you're out there like Jake trying to become a uh, male bodybuilder. <laughs> and I can tell you, everybody, my man's is on on the transition right now. He's looking good. Uh, oh. Built bar with the assist yes. to, to, to some extent there. You know, so, they have, they've, uh, been a, they've been a big part of this. I can tell you that much. It, and the fun part about it is that they're always introducing new flavors or, or, or bringing back old flavors. I bought two boxes of the coconut brownie chunk. 
or crumble uh, because I am an addict and then that's what we do. Yeah, so folks, take advantage of now. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 while you're there. You can save yourself 15% off your next order. Absolutely phenomenal. We love them. We can rave about them all we want, but until you guys give them a shot, we truly believe that you will be an an addict or a convert, if you will, if you give them a shot. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15, and enjoy the best-tasting protein bars anywhere. All right, folks, let's talk a little bit of the NFL draft. Of course, this is a year's a little bit of an anomaly for the Utah football program. Literally no draftable prospects from last year's squad are in this year's NFL draft, but that does not mean that there's not plenty of talent on Utah's squad. Brian did a great job yesterday breaking down guys who will be eligible for the 2022 draft, but today we're talking about the all-timers. Who are the all-time great pickups out of the University of Utah in the NFL draft? Brian and I are going to run down our five best or our five uh, what we would say our five greatest picks from Utah are. Brian, because I'm such a gracious friend, you get the first selection. Yeah, with my f- first pick, or or I will say the bottom of my top five, mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Josh Gordon. Wow. All right. Supplemental draft, correct. Uh, Josh Gordon was at Utah for what? All of 10 minutes, it feels like. But, Enough to get a practice in. It but, counts. But let's be honest, dude. Like Josh Gordon, he's he's been, when he's been on the field, he's been as dominant a wide receiver as we've seen in some time in the NFL. The si- the blend of size, speed, and skill, you don't find that in many people. He's had his off-the-field issues. We're all well aware of that. They're well chronicled. But, man, when he is right, when he is on the field, he is as dynamic as they come. So a great pick by you. The, the fact that he's been through so much and yet teams still still bring him aboard to try and mm-hmm. help uh, advance him throughout his career is is probably enough right right then and there to, to indicate that uh, you know he is a talented player but that's partly in jest but also just you know he is truly a, a talented athlete without a without a doubt the best wide receiver that's been labeled to have attended the University of Utah <laughs> in the last decade. Yeah, that's a good pick. All right, uh, my first pick at the bottom of my top five, and Brian, I think you're going to be upset with me on this because I'm picking him at five. But I'm going to take Jordan Gross. Oh, okay, interesting, but a good selection nonetheless. First round, eighth pick overall. Gross went on to have it was it a decade-plus career with the Carolina Panthers. Man, was he a stalwart, but sadly did not uh, really get an opportunity to do a ton in his career with regards to the postseason in the NFL. But when you go out and have a decade-long career like he had and made good money, good on you, Jordan Gross. You made good on every bet on yourself. Absolutely, and and he was a guy that retired when he wanted to. Yep. Probably could have kept going, was an all-pro. I think several, several times definitely made a few Pro Bowls, but uh, perhaps best known in Utah lore for his touchdown reception <laughs> utilizing the old tackle pass. Yes, absolutely. Living the dream of linemen everywhere. Thank yep. you for that. Thank <laughs> you for your inspiration, Jordan. I believe you host a podcast now, too. Yeah, absolutely. All right, where are you going next, Brian? All right, so you stole my Jordan Gross, so I'm going to have to change it up and, and go for the guy that ran behind him a little bit with number four. I'm picking Jamal Anderson. Yeah, the dirty bird himself. It's got to be a great pickup. Jamal he, he's still a personality on Twitter. We see him every so often pop up on Twitter, etc. But, man, was he a great running back. He, and 
there's been a long, long line of Utah great running backs who have come through the University of Utah. But, man, Jamal the Dirty Bird, man, it's just – what a pickup. Seventh-round pick, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? He was. And then just one of those kind of out-of-nowhere things. Seemed like he always had the talent. I remember it got to the point where fans had to chant, give the ball to Jamal in the stadium to get Ron McBride on board. The rumor is, is because Jamal wasn't exactly the most uh, disciplined of players during his time at the University of Utah. I <laughs> uh, can't imagine why, a guy no. charismatic as he is, but no. he was an absolutely dominant force in the few games that he played at the University of Utah. He showcased that and, and really paved the way for bigger, stronger running backs like, uh, you know, I, I, maybe we'll talk about Chris Fumatu Maafala and, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, uh, Mike Anderson, some of those bigger backs that really have helped establish the running back position at the University of Utah. But uh, without a doubt, the Dirty Bird was the catalyst. And up until the fact that he injured his knee, was on his way to probably a Hall of Fame career with the Atlanta Falcons. No doubt about that. All right, my next pick, Brian. I'm staying in the trenches. I'm going with the man, Star Lotulele. Likely in the conversation there for one of the best defensive linemen to ever play at the University of Utah. I think it's neck and neck right there with he and Luther Ellis. Uh, Star is still going. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we see him back and, and fighting on the field again as he opted out last year due to COVID. And, and an understandable situation being that he has dealt before with uh, cardiomyopathy that uh, is COVID is notorious for. So I'm sure he was definitely concerned and being careful about that, what he did. So, but when he's been at his best, he has been an absolutely dominant force in the NFL, very similar to what he's been in, you know, what he was at the University of Utah. It was fun to see him to go to Bu- uh, Buffalo as well. All right, Brian, where are you going next? Number three, I've got to I've got to give some love to uh, one of the one of the goats, and I, and I mentioned that Josh Gordon was one of the best wide receivers in the last decade. I think this guy probably takes the prize for the greatest wide receiver ever, and at that he was a third round pick, mm-hmm. one the only Stevon Smith Jr. Come on down. Well, now Steven Smith, Steve Smith Sr., let's be clear about that. If, if That's right. Late in his career. But, yeah, Steve Smith, dude, what an absolute legend. I, like, man, I don't know many uh, BYU fans out there who don't like Steve Smith. That dude crossed over, I felt like, and just absolutely did everything you wanted to see. And undersized. That's why he fell to the third round, honestly. Because if that guy was a six foot two, six foot three wide receiver, he's a first round pick, no doubt about it. But just what a legendary career. Without a doubt, and mostly drafted based on his punt and kick return yep. potential because he didn't touch the ball a whole lot as a wide receiver no. at the University of Utah. I believe he had something like 17 catches, and of those, 12 were touchdowns. You know, yeah. So maybe at the time, Ron McBride was sitting on a little bit of, of, of stubbornness, <laughs> trying to run the ball a little bit too much when Steve was there. Uh, but he was an explosive wide receiver, came from, uh, I can't remember which Juco it is off the top of my head, uh, where he played with Chad Johnson. But that might have been probably the greatest wide receiver tandem in the history of the world, um, where he and uh, he and uh, Santa Monica College. Yeah, I was going to say Santa Monica, and, I'm pretty sure, is where it was uh, Yeah, Yeah, with he and Ocho Cinco. But uh, a legend, without a doubt, uh, ice up, son. And, and just the numbers to back it, too. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Brian, with my his third pick, we're at number three, even uh, forward or backward here. I'm going to go with a guy that I, I, I know a lot of people have one certain play in their head, but it's got to be Marcus Williams for me. 
a second-round pick for the New Orleans Saints, more of a recent pick for the Saints, though. But Williams just recently was franchise-tagged by New Orleans. He has been an absolute stud since the day he entered the league. And then outside of that one play, he's been Mr. Reliability yeah. for the Saints, and he's he's really been exactly what you would want in a University of Utah football player, a guy that has taken athletic ability, translated it into being an elite defensive player, one that plays with reliability, accountability, that, that assignment, football, all those kinds of things, uh, and, and a recent selection that really – it's kind of his time now to carry the banner in the NFL for, for Utah players. I think he and, and Garrett Bowles mm-hmm. and Tim Patrick are kind of in the lead there right now, being that some of the others have stepped back, especially with the recent retirement of Alex Smith. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're down to the final four here, Brian. Where is your number two overall pick? It was a tough selection for number two. There were a, a lot of names floating out there in the, in the ether, but for this one, I'm going to take the guy who was also drafted in the second round uh, and maximized every ounce of his talent. That would be one Eric Weddle. You stole him. I, I was I was waiting for Weddle, man. I was going to hold on to it, but Weddle, man. He is a legend both on and off the field. This guy is one of the guys we mentioned how a guy like Jordan Gross is able to go out on his own. Well, Weddle decided when he wanted to go out. He obviously had a rough end to his run with the Los Angeles Chargers now, what was then the San Diego Chargers. But man, I love Weddle, and I wish he was still on Twitter. I know he's pretty much quit social media since retiring. He's been really engrossed with his kids, but I, you can't say enough about Eric Weddle. Not at all, and and just just true to his potential, and one of those guys that almost seemingly every week that he was mic'd up ended up either on the on the broadcast or on the the middle of the week uh, social media post because he was so much fun to both listen to and and watch, and I think his career spanned across a very fascinating period both. Well, he was a player in San Diego and then transferring over to Baltimore for a few seasons where he was an impact guy for the Ravens and then finishing things out back in L.A. with the, with the Rams. But uh, with I think he's a Hall of Fame guy. I think his impact in the league has been impressive both on and off the field uh, and, and a name that Utah fans just have to absolutely adore. All right, Brian, I know you're going to pick one of these two guys here in your final pick. So I'm going to take one of the two quarterbacks that are on this list. I think people are probably sitting there screaming at us. Why have you picked them yet? Okay, with my number two pick, I am going to go back all the way to 1990. And that's kind of where we had kind of cut the line off. 1990, Scott Mitchell Fourth-round pick by the Miami Dolphins, but of course went on to have his greatest years in the league with the Detroit Lions. Uh, Scott, now the color analyst for Utah Football Broadcast, media personality on KSL News Radio. Scott's got to be on this list. Has to be. And and for kids that didn't grow up in the 90s and watch him, he was a a very... uh, I would say maligned quarterback prospect having been drafted to be the guy that was going to replace Dan Marino and then ending up in Detroit where uh, he was throwing to, to Herman Moore and, and uh, uh, man, just a, what seemed to be a cursed Detroit franchise say, with yeah. Wayne Fontenot leading the charge there for so very many years. And even to this day, it doesn't feel like Detroit's really replaced the quarterback position, but I guess maybe with Jared Goff, we'll see. Right. I'm not going to believe it till I see it, but that's just me. All right, Brian, we got two more picks. Where are you going number one? I think you got a really easy pick here. And if you don't pick him, I'm going to be stunned. 
Well, if the cutoff wasn't at 1990, I'd probably go with Gordon Scooter Longmire, who was drafted in the 16th round by Dallas in 1972. <laughs> but given that the old Scooter's not on the uh, on the, uh, the 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 player availability list, I think this one's pretty easy. It's it's Alex Smith, recently retired from the NFL, 16 seasons in the league. Mm-hmm. He was a number one overall pick, and although I think he was in the same draft as Aaron Rodgers, had they switched places, it's not. I don't think too unreasonable to say that Smith would have had uh, a little bit of a similar career to Rodgers had he been able to go through that. You know, I, I think it's easily forgotten that he went through what was it, three or four new head coaches in his first five or six seasons. I am a diehard San Francisco 49ers fan. Try seven offensive coordinators in eight years. Yep, and, and at least one of those, had it been Norv Turner or uh, Mike McCarthy, would have been the perfect fit for Alex. And, and the Mike Nolan era as a 49er fan was not exactly a, a point of pride. Uh, even I think the Steve Mariucci era probably gets more accolades and more acclaim from Niners fans. Yeah, but it's, um, you know, I, I it's, his career was one that was just filled with adversity, and it seemed like he always found a way to shine in spite of it. And, and I think finishing the way he did with Washington coming back from the injury was a perfect way to do that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. My final selection here, I got to, uh, we're running up on time here, but I went back and forth on this, Brian. I, I wanted to go with they're They're both first round picks here. in My final selection. Uh, we had Kevin Dyson and Luther Ellis, both of them first round picks. Both of them had their moments in the NFL but I have to go with my heart as a guy who loves the big boys in the trenches. I'm going with Luther Ellis as my final pick. And it does seem a little bit crim- criminal to leave Kevin Dyson off this list, being that he uh, has so many historic moments in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Miracle in uh, is it Memphis? Yep, Music City, right? Music City Miracle, that's yeah. right, Nashville, sorry. Um, and then, you know, obviously the Super Bowl with a one-yard short uh, he he had a solid NFL career. I, I don't know that he was outstanding. His career at the University of Utah was magnificent, and I think oftentimes he gets lost in the conversation about great Utah wide receivers. Uh, but that being said, the 1994 Utah football team was Luther Ellis, and and yeah. his you know being an All American. I remember seeing him on the TV for the, I think it was either the the All-American Announcement Show and he and Warren Sapp being announced. And just, I have a picture of him where he's just standing there and you can see his six-pack as he's got his jersey rolled up and he's just a mountain of human being. But he was an impressive NFL player too. Yeah, that he was. All right, so there you go. If you guys have thoughts on this, deciding how stupid we both are with our five picks, feel free to reach out. Let us know. Locked on Utes on Twitter at BrownBearSLC, or you can send them to me also at Jacob C. Hatch. Love hearing from you guys, getting your interaction. All right, we will wrap up the show next with a couple of thoughts. Uh, Before we go, though, we do need to take a minute and talk about BetOnline.ag. Brian, of course, BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. You can track all that action at BetOnline. You even got stuff like the NFL draft upcoming, NBA action, NHL, golf is fun to bet on. If you guys want to get in on any of this, do it with Bet Online. And I mentioned some of the cool props that are happening right now in the NFL draft. You can bet on what color uh, Trevor Lawrence's wife's dress will be. You can bet on the number of trades per round. That's the fun part about it is is that 
with the welcome bonus that you get using the promo code locked on, you can play all those little fun bets and make some money on the side if you want, or you can just go all in on the things that you feel like, you know, uh, we've talked about it before, but it, it's you know, sports gambling is, is a way to make everything fun. And if, you know, it, it's a way to justify investing the time that we spend on it too. You know, I, I continue to, to work off of, uh, some money that I, that we submitted a little while ago for uh, uh, the same thing, and and though the wins haven't always been as prevalent as I would like, uh, it's still been a lot of fun, and and some of it comes in the losses, right? Like I still hate the New York Knicks. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, check it out, guys. Go to the website. Like Brian said, use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive that 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit using the promo code Locked On. It's all courtesy of our friends at Bet Online, as they are your online sportsbook experts. All right. Very long podcast today by our standards, Brian, but we do need one thing to note for our Utah listeners before we go, and that is in the realm of men's golf. Final round completed at the uh, Men's Pac-12 Golf Championship out there in Santa Rosa, California at the Mayakama Golf Club. And Arizona sneaks back past Arizona State for the win, finished at minus 29, Arizona State at minus 25, Oregon takes third place there at minus 17, followed by Oregon State, Stanford, Washington, Southern California, and Cal. Utah finishes at ninth, plus 15, which is a slight improvement, uh, but it was just the first two rounds really did the Utes in, and as you can see, the, the Arizona squads were just primed and ready to go for this one. Uh, Brad Reeves, uh, Yuki Moriyama, and Riggs Johnston all tied for first place at 12 under. Um, and, and just like a loaded field, but uh, the Utah's very own Mitchell Shaw able to finish at minus five for the tournament that got him good enough, uh, got him up to 13th. Um, he was the highest finishing Utah player, as we talked about, uh, you know, Blake Tomlinson uh, did not have a strong tournament. Um which is a bit of a bummer, finished at plus 11, just struggled in those first two rounds, but did finish uh, you know, with a 71 and a 76 for the tournament. All right, so there you go, an update on Utes Golf. We will call it a day there. Brian, hope you're having a great day yourselves, whatever you guys are listening in from this podcast. Do need to remind you guys before we go that this year the Locked On Podcast Network is partnering with the Draft Network to cover the NFL Draft Live. Get insight and analysis from Locked On's local experts and the Draft Network's national experts. Subscribe to the Locked On NFL YouTube page to watch all three days of coverage for the NFL Draft beginning tomorrow and running through May 1st. First, want you guys to check it out. It's going to be a ton of fun. I'm looking forward to that. For Brian, I'm Jake. Have a great rest of your day whenever you hear this. This has been the Locked On Utes podcast for April 28, 2021, and we will talk to you guys tomorrow. <laughs>